Good People, Cool Things is a podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. Get inspired by their stories to do your own cool thing. And here's your host, Joey Held. Welcome to Good People, Cool Things. Today's guest is Damian Taylor, the founder of Prometheus Digital Studio. For the past 15 years, Damian has been applying data and technology to entertainment, combining the old science analytical side with the creative outside the box sign. He's bringing a unique skill set working with brands and media companies. He's worked with pretty big name clients like Warner Media, the CW, New Form Digital. Damien has also worked in making media more diverse and share some really fantastic tips on how we can do that and how you can be more curious, explore the world, make the world a better place, giving you actionable advice we're also talking about Disney World and Disneyland, and my mind gets blown here on a major difference between the two parks. So tune in for all of that. If you'd like to support the show, you can reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at GPCT Podcast. You can always head over to the shop or pick up a copy of my book, Kind But Kind of Weird Short Stories on Life's Relationships. You can get all that good stuff at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. And wouldn't you know it, you can also listen to this very conversation with Damien right there and right here, because we're hopping into it. To kick it off, for people who aren't familiar with you, can you give us your elevator pitch, but can you also tell us the type of elevator that we're riding on? Oh, this will be a fun one. Um, my elevator pitch. I am a data geek who loves creative stuff. So do lots with data. Um, data is, is just, it, it sounds really dorky, but it is to some extent my life. <laughs> um, but in, in so much as I can apply it to creative endeavors and what type of an elevator would be on? Like we, I'm obsessed, my son is as well with Hyperloops. So we'd be on like a Hyperloop elevator with super magnet, like a maglev elevator, if that's a, a thing. <laughs> if it's not let's make it because that sounds delightful <laughs> now was this was this interest in data something that you always had as a kid or did you kind of like stumble into it later in life i think i stumbled into it i, I was just i was i've always been just good with numbers um it's not like i was passionate about numbers or anything i was just kind of got it um and my dad was always very much the, you have to be a scientist prove to everybody you're smart if you're not doing numbers and like okay yeah sure fine i'll do that um, and so, yeah, I went to college and I, I did neuroscience and um, was like, yeah, numbers. And then I realized that I liked creative stuff, too. So I was minoring in arts. And then I kept trying to figure out ways to, to bridge the two. Um, didn't always work success, successfully, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's always been a thing. But I, I realized that I can't have just data or just art. I'd go crazy. I'd have to have both because one of them is like too fluffy. The other one is too serious. And I have the balance between I, I always like to ask people a question they wish they were asked more frequently, and usually it comes up later in the episodes, but I think this is actually a very <laughs> nice segue here of how do you manage to combine those two? Because yeah, creativity, science, seems like it could be you know some clashing going on there. So how do you combine them? It, well, I mean, our, my company is focused on data and analytics and strategy for media companies um, and technology companies. So as you're creating content, who are you trying to reach? Why are you reaching them? What's working? What's not? Let's build a model and see where you're making money on it. But, oh, wait a minute. When you do this, let's try this creative thing. It seems like that really works well. Um, so it's sort of like the best of all worlds. I, I get some technology. I get some numbers. And I get you know some fun creative, like some music or a cartoon or a TV show or whatever it is. 
do you have a favorite project that you've worked on? Oh, I know it's hard to pick them. They're all like your children. I know they're they're all. They're, I think there are two right now that are, are vying for first place. The first was one I wasn't expecting at all. I just finished a project. It's been like a year, year and a half in the making. Um, a diversity project, which is probably the last thing I thought I would do because um, diversity was not where I saw my career going. I always thought that was like the kiss of death. Um, don't do that. Like, <laughs> just do something else, anything but that. But this was a really great project that was looking at the language of diversity and how people talk about it. Um, and I think it was so riveting, not just not because of what it was and the impact, but because it was focused on how can companies be practically inclusive? Like what can they actually do versus theory? And big learning some of them were just really obvious but like first have to define diversity because everyone defines it differently and so people are let down or always mad because you said you were being diverse but you didn't do my brand of diversity or um and so there's this conversation around clarity because everyone throws terms around thinking that we're all talking about the same thing and we're not um and then this need for authenticity that, that consumers and viewers and whoever you're trying to reach that they know more about your company than you give them credit for they're watching you so whether they say it or not they know who's on your board and who's leading so if you're giving a a message of like we're all inclusive we do blah 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 but then they see the complete opposite internally they know and you think you're protecting them by not saying anything but you're not they already know right so um, that was riveting for that reason but then on the other end is for the first time i get to dive into making an animated series and so i've never done animation before so that's why i was like they're they're buying for the top place because this this animated series is indirectly born of that 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 work but um it's 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 fun to just do something so creative like find music and what do these characters look like and I get to be like a kid again and it's fun whenever i'm looking at something and my son walks in and he gets really excited and he wants to see more of it i made that he looks at me like suspicious. Are you sure? Why did you make that? Are you sure that was you? But then he wants to see it again. Um, it's kind of just fun. Yeah, that's. I think that's the the best sort of like validation, right? Like, yeah. like coming in and being like, <laughs> yes, more of that, please. <laughs> <laughs> Have you found that the the sort of like storytelling structure of something animated does that vary a lot from a live action type of thing? Like, you you kind of have. You can almost like go out of this world uh, to to create things like that. But are you still trying to kind of like keep it in reality? Or are you just like, hey, I can do whatever with this. So let's go, let's go wild. Right now, we're 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 kind of out of reality. I mean, it's about a pair of twins who are witches and discover they can control nature and technology. Right. So they're not just nature witches like everyone else. They can do technology as well. And yeah, I can go wherever I want, which is kind of fun with that. And I, I don't care about keeping it real. Um, it, that's not the point it's, it's fantasy it's supposed to be fun right so yeah i think I, i'm always i uh, like i i know i got um not to not to sidebar too much but i was i uh, writing a book that just came out last year a book of short stories and Woo-hoo, i remember some of my oh thank you thank you it's been bananas all all kinds of bananas i <laughs> but i remember my editor gave me i a note about because I had mentioned that someone had drawn like withdrawn a non like divisible by twenty number from an ATM. You know, it was like four hundred like seventy six dollars or something. And he was like, you know, this would never happen in real life. And I was like, <laughs> you know what? I'm like, this is a book that is not, it's not like real. it's like, kind of kind of based in real life, but like mm-hmm. 
you know what, if I want someone to withdraw $476, I'm going to do it. And I think there's there's some people that are like so steeped in reality sometimes that they they just like can't see or they're like so steeped in like one element of things that they're like, oh, this other this other thing that actually <laughs> makes a lot of sense. I'm totally missing out on. Well, if you if you're curious, I actually came across an ATM that did give increments of five dollars, so you could get down to four hundred and seventy five dollars if you want. Yeah, I like that. So I like you, that. Where was this ATM? Do, I need to go travel. Oh, I forgot where we were. My <laughs> wife and I were we in Santa Barbara, maybe. I can't. I think it was Santa Barbara, maybe. But it was. You could actually determine. I want five twenties and four tens and three fives or whatever it was. Um, yeah, it was on our way to a camping trip. So actually, I think it was in Oxnard. It was at a Bank of America in Oxnard. So if you're ever in Oxnard and getting off the 101 freeway and want to just play with denominations at an ATM, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> now, you you mentioned how you, what did you call it, the kiss of death is, yeah. uh, is getting into diversity. So, uh, you know, rave reviews behind it. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I guess a two-part question, like how how did you end up in this if this was not something that you were you were going after? And why is it so important? Why is it, why is diversity so important in media? Well, it's so I I it's been the last fifteen of my year or of my years of my career in media, and it's been a, a great ride, and I've loved it. But one of the things that was always frustrating to me is, to some extent, necessary but not really that people are treated like packages, like commodities, right? Oh, get the black person, get the whatever person, get the such and such person, and they're never seen as, as whole people. It's always, you got to fill this space. We have a gap for blah, 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 slot in, whatever. Um, and so with that, there's lots of just othering that, that happens. Um, and so to some extent throughout my career, I've always been involved in diversity, but very much on a much more low key behind the scenes. Like if there's a mentorship program, sure, I'll mentor someone or I'll be a part of it, but I won't make that my job, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because what I saw, which happened a lot at one point in my career, I was up for a, a promotion and it was a big deal because I was a manager at the time and I was interviewing for a job that was a vice president. So it was going like three levels up from where I was. And I was the, one of the top two, I was in the, fi- the final two people interviewing. Um, and I thought about it for a moment and then I decided, I'm glad I didn't get the job because then I would have been really pigeonholed in the company with that, right? It was a marketing role, but it was for either, what, what were they calling it? Like black community diversity, something or other, or Hispanic marketing. So it was one of those two and you couldn't do both. And when I didn't get it, I actually met the two people who did and I worked with them and talked to them. And one of the things that happened was they both were lamenting about the fact that it was an, a zero sum game that, oh, you either pay to get these black consumers or you pay to get these Hispanics, but you'll never pay to get both um, because they were always pitted against each other, right? You'll get the money or you'll get the money, but neither of you can have it. Like both of you can't have it. Like there can't possibly be a day where it makes sense to just pay attention to both of you, right? Like that just can't be right. And I remember one of them talking about how they wanted to then move into a different marketing role that was open. And it was just a lateral move, but then everyone's feedback was, well, oh, but you work in diverse stuff. So you never really worked with general market. Um, and so it was always this thing where it's if you did diversity, you couldn't possibly know anything outside of that or your world must be super myopic. And I didn't want that for my career. I didn't want to be stuck in the, oh, but you only know such and such and have to fight that stigma. And so I had personally made an endeavor to, I, 
I'll make sure to do whatever I can to forward that conversation, make sure it happens, but I don't want it to be through the very siloed, pigeonholed, um, traditional way of diversity. I think that's that's shifted a bit, um, not tremendously, but a little bit um, in recent years. But then I ended up being pulled into it much more front and center in 2020, as so many people did. Um, but for me, it was really, this is gonna sound weird, but George Floyd's murder wasn't a shock to me. It wasn't something that like had me up in arms and like, I, I was pissed about it, justifiably so. I, but it, at least I knew how to cope with something like that because I'd seen it so many times before, right? Um, and so my dad was an LA County Sheriff and my uncle was an LAPD officer. And so they were inside those organizations and would talk, like for them, it was even hard and they knew about this and I heard stories from them. And so all of these things were things that I knew how to cope with and I could be sad and be upset and be angry, but I at least knew how to handle it. And then when the whole ordeal with Ahmaud Aubrey, and then there's the Central Park Karen thing, both of which happened, those two things, however, were different for me. Um, someone basically being killed, lynched, for, for lack of a better word, when they're going on a run. And I mean, I'm thinking, like, oh, that's something I do all the time. I just go for a run. Um, and to be really honest, I'm one of the few people who's black in my neighborhood. And it's like, that could be me. Um, and then there's like the whole pandemic going on and my wife happens to be Asian and people are like, go back China flu and she's not even Chinese, right? But then like, like so now I'm worried about, okay, can my wife go to the go to work? Can she go to a store where she stops at a gas station? And then can I go for a run? Can we go outside? Can we go outside as a family? And then my son, like, where does he fit in this equation? Those then suddenly made it not just personal because it was always personal, but it made it acutely more present, um, much closer to home, right? Where there's a need to kind of sort of fend for your own um, and protect yourself. Um, and I, I was trying to figure out, well, what do I do? Because I'll be frank, like I'm not gonna go out and protest in the middle of a pandemic. Like that just didn't seem wise to me, right? <laughs> um, but I, what I realized is what I do have is I have expertise in media and from all of my experience so one thing i know about media is that it's much more powerful than people give it credit for um and so how can i leverage that and the expertise that i have around data to actually start changing conversations and getting people to talk about things that they that they normally wouldn't um, and from there was born my podcast which is called professional confession because one of the things that kept coming up when I would hear people or um, at the time when Clubhouse was a thing, we were talking on Clubhouse is a lot of people were scared to ask the question or scared to say the wrong thing or they didn't want to offend. Um, so there, there was this, this element of fear and this element of shame. And I would, because I had nothing better to do and I had been spending you know every waking moment with a, a two and a half year old child. <laughs> um, uh, I was trying to figure out, well, what can we do to to mitigate that fear or that shame that people have so they actually have the conversation? If it were anonymous some way, and I thought of old school radio shows where you call in, hello, caller, what do you want to know? Um, and it's like, what if I can make it more anonymous than that? And then professional confession was born. So people could call in, send a note, um, write, and tell us about their experience, whether it be good or bad around diversity. And I could bring in an expert who could speak about 
what you can do today. You don't have to wait for the government to do. You don't have to wait for your boss. You don't have to wait for someone else to do. What you could do as an individual today to either make your environment more inclusive, to make it more healthy for you, or to handle a situation that may otherwise be difficult. Um, and I felt like that was something that was missing. There was a lot of conversation around theoretical things. And I came up with this theory. And back in the 60s, we talked about things. There was never a, well, what do I do today? <laughs> I'm in this today. And so uh, I wanted to create that. And coming from that, then I actually did a second podcast, which is the, the animated piece started off as a podcast where one of the things that I was really passionate about was being able to tell stories of underrepresented people through a lens that wasn't whatever that underrepresentation was. It's not like, hey, this is through the lens of a Colombian woman, or, oh, you must be a bisexual male, or you must be, that just seemed always weird and kind of forced, where it's, it's always the moniker first and then who the person is. I wanted to be able to tell stories of people who happened to be, insert whatever that is, right? So we may never mention it in the stories, but um, if you know, you know. It's a, it was a real experience. And so um, professional confession is really my attempt to help people make those conversations. And then the content that I made after that was a, a, an attempt to not only have those conversations, but show the potential after we have those conversations of what the world could be once we've had it. Has there been someone that's called in or, or maybe a discussion that happened on the podcast that has really kind of surprised you? I think it's the third or fourth episode, um, but there's an author, a teacher who, who calls in, um, Andrew, and I'm blinking on Andrew's last name, he's gonna kill me, but uh, <laughs> really great. And he, he actually wrote a book called um, White Fragility, White Men Go From Agile to Fragile, or Fragile to Agile. Um, he's, he's a white guy and he wrote a book about just how diversity is actually good for everyone. Um, and I did it at first, like this will be a great topic and we can talk about things. And I was thinking of it very, in a very academic sense, but in having that conversation, I actually had to confront my own beliefs and my own um, biases that I had, right? I didn't realize how uncomfortable it was for me to have that conversation with someone who wasn't black to start with, right? And then like, okay, well, if you're not black, then you're some sort of minority that I can relate with. And it, it, it just, it, I, I realized that I, if I was going to have that conversation and it was going to be productive, and it was going to be able to do the thing that I wanted it to do on the podcast, then I had to make myself open and willing to do it. And that was, it wasn't easy. It was not something that I expected to, to, to come across. I, you know, it's like, I'm doing this great work. And then like, oh, well, you're not perfect like you thought you were, are you? Um, <laughs> so um, but that was, it's, it's a weird thing because I never wanted the podcast and I still don't want it to be about me. But in that moment, I, I think it, it had to be because I, I had to learn. That was probably the biggest surprise for me um, is just having to take an, an honest look at where my head was. Because th th during that whole time, I had been from the beginning or that midpoint of 2020 in June, it had all been about like self-protection and um, what are you thinking about me? And, you know, kind of a, I didn't realize how much I had bought into that us versus the mentality that was so prevalent at the time, um, which was not something that was I had I had been prone to prior, 
but when it became very close to, you know, home and suddenly the hackles were up and it was a lot of, you know, hey, who are you? Why are you here? And kind of um, creating boundaries where they needed to be a boundary. I mean, on top of everything, everything like with the pandemic, <laughs> like having all of that too, it's just so, yeah, like just such a, like an onslaught, it feels like sometimes. But to your point, I think having those conversations like you said, like that unlocked something within you. You were like, I wasn't aware of this. So how can you encourage that with other people to have those types of conversations? Because some people don't like having difficult conversations. Like they, you know, they feel like they're being attacked or like they, you know, it's just, I mean, some people just don't like being uncomfortable. I'm like, bring it on. Like I, I love a good, <laughs> love a good conversation where we're unpacking stuff. But some, in some cases people are just like, nope, I'm like, I'm getting out of here. Um, So how can... I, I, like in today, not you know, not a 1960s theory. How can today we we encourage those conversations and and get people to have them? I, this is probably the hardest part, but what I've started to learn, and it's it's been a, it's been a process. I think I'm just barely getting to this point. Is being give people room to make mistakes, um, because part of the reason why everyone is afraid of those hard conversations or saying the wrong thing is because the reactions and the repercussions and the rejection are so swift and, and many times overwhelming, right? I mean, you want someone to, to learn and respect and listen and learn about you, but then when they ask a question um, that highlights something that they're ignorant in, the reaction is, how dare you not know this thing? And why are you asking me? And it's not my job to teach you. And all of those things may be true, but it's also not their job to, to endure um, sort of a, a, a very like unfair response when someone is making a, a genuine, authentic effort, right? Like there are people who are, of course, being patronizing and that's, that's different. But when, when someone is truly, sincerely making an effort and trying to figure it out, um, and they, they may make a mistake, help them through that. That's how people get better. That's how people learn. Um, that's a hard thing to do, though. I mean, it's, it's definitely easier said than done, but I'm, I think I'm getting better at that, um, realizing that in a, Suddenly, my parents seem so wise now that I'm an adult. Um, <laughs> but my mom used to always say, stop trying to deal with people where you want them to be. Interact with them where they are now. And it, it's that, right? Like, I, I can't always expect you to be where I am or where I want you to be. But if I understand where you are and where you're trying to go, then interact with you like that so that I can help you get there versus... Um, potentially impeding your progress i always credit my parents for they took us traveling you know from a very young age and i think that's another great way to kind of get yourself oh yeah into situations that you're not used to you're not accustomed to but then like i don't think i've ever had a, a truly negative overseas experience like you know, sometimes there's times where you like miss a bus or you think <laughs> I'm going to throw Ryan Air under the bus. They charge you like $60 a ticket if you print your boarding pass at the airport. I'm like, sorry, uh, my little hotel didn't have a printer. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Ryan Air. But that's fine. That's neither here nor there. It's fine. Um, but it's just like, I've always found like people are super welcoming 
uh, in foreign countries, especially where they're just like, hey, you're like, I've never been to America and like, I want to learn everything about you. And I think that's such an awesome way to be. And I, I, I mean, I'm not going to say uh, everyone I've ever encountered, but I feel like there's not that same sort of curiosity um, with, with people over here, which is like, I mean, I love meeting a new person. Like, even, even if they're like down the street from me, like, you know, wherever they're from, like, I think it's so cool because we all have our different backgrounds. We've all come from different places. We've all had different experiences. And I just, I mean, this is really just a PSA to travel. I, think. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know if I have a question at the end of it. It's just, <laughs> and if you have a great travel story, share it. We'll turn it into, we'll turn it into that. No, that's interesting. No, I think you're, you're right. I, I definitely, I see the curiosity here, but it's, it's different. It's, it's not necessarily, I really want to understand all about you and ask questions. It's, it's I think in the U S culturally, there's been this, we're the center of the universe mentality so much that, Oh, you're so unique. You're so odd. You're not from here. And so it's more like a, I'm going to put you in a menagerie and, and see what you do. Um, or very much a novelty sort of approach. Um, and that's not everybody. I mean, that's a, a gross um, simplification of it, but that that's, seems to be more the interaction versus when you go overseas. Here's a fun travel story. One of the things that really made me understand the power of media in, in terms of just interactions with other people and their perceptions of groups or cultures or whoever that they, they don't normally see is I was in South America. I lived in, in Chile. I was in Santiago at the time. And a friend and I we're going to, we got on the subway and we're heading off to visit some friends who lived in the suburb of the city. And so we're sitting there chatting and clearly our accents weren't um, like Chilean. They were very Caribbean. And so the guy was like, oh, where are you guys from? Are you from Cuba? Right. And my friend's from Puerto Rico. He's all oh, from Puerto Rico. And I told him I was from Los Angeles. And he paused and he, he looked confused and said, but, but wait, you're not white and you don't have blonde hair. I've seen Baywatch. And I'm like, um, no, other people live in LA besides just the folks in Baywatch, and that's actually a TV show. It's not real. But wait, 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 wait. But no, you were speaking Spanish. So are you Cuban? No. Oh, you must be Puerto Rican. No, Dominican. No. I'm really just from LA. Uh, well, you must be Brazilian. Is that where you're, is your family from Brazil? No. Are you African? No. And he followed us. Like he stayed on the entire subway trip. He passed his stop got off the train and followed us for like six <laughs> blocks asking where I was from. And he's going down a list. He must be Dutch. I saw a documentary once and there were black people there. That was literally like he was trying to figure out everywhere he'd seen on TV where black people existed to understand like in this frame of world, where could you be from? Because I haven't seen you on TV from LA. Um, and at that moment I realized that, wow, his, his whole context to people in the U S and even black people is, based on TV, right? And his whole interaction of it was based on TV. And um, we often think of TV as being benign or even just media in general as being benign and sort of, um, you can ignore it. But it actually, it's much more influential than, than we give it credit for. Um, and so, yeah, that, that, that was my version of a travel story that kind of tied back to, I realized that one of my, superpowers and I could actually leverage in this whole conversation and start the conversation around diversity was using media so that people who might not have access to me or someone who looks like me or someone who looks like anybody, right, from any group, um, would then be able to start having exposure and understanding their experience in life. Yeah, and I think that's 
that that just reminded me that story reminded me of uh when i studied abroad in china it was kind of the same thing we went to a i think it was a high school um and just you know just to see kind of what it was like and they were asking us what's high school in america mm-hmm. like and they were like is it like american pie movies? <laughs> and i was like i was like um I'm like not quite but then i was trying to that it's like i don't know i'm like is there a good example i mean this was what 2000 2008 or 9 2009 it was right after the the year after the beijing olympics mm-hmm. um and so i was kind of like i don't i don't know if there's anything <laughs> that's like exactly like mm-hmm. high school and like also your high school experience can vary wildly yeah. even even within the same high school like depending on you know who your friends are who your who your click is uh, all that all that good stuff what time you have lunch even sometimes yeah remember one year i had a late lunch and i was like i feel like i'm in a different who are these people how did this happen here. yeah i know the sun's there yeah, i don't go to school with these people yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah it's just it's so interesting of what like what people take as like their their point of reference and i think to your point like that's why it's so important to have these different depictions of media and especially for like kids growing up to see someone that is like them or, you know, exhibits some of the same personality and different traits that they have, which is always sometimes hard to, hard to get out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and I think it's a really big deal. And even though we, we like to think that we don't need external validation, we do have this sort of subconscious need for external validation to say, oh, wait, you're like me and you did X. Um, and we, we've done it since childhood. It's something that's, I don't know why, and I should probably, this is, you know, being a neuroscientist, but it's something that's just innate to our behavior is that we validate ourselves through the social interactions that we see and they sort of shape where we think we can be and what our life can be and what it should be and how we should behave and what we want to do. And um, so it just takes that one thing that you find either inspiring or that commonality um, to, to sort of set off an entire life's journey. And so I think it's really important to do that, but it's also great to, at least for me, just to learn new stuff and start to rethink how I'm looking at the world. Sometimes my best solutions have come from places that I would have never expected. So having more of that is yes, please, right? Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I'd like to learn more and have good experiences. <laughs> Seems seems so simple. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> All right, Damien, you're almost out of here, but we always like to wrap up with a top three. And for you, we've been talking about things we can do now. So what are your top three things people can do right now to make the world a better place? I, I think for me, it, it's really, don't be afraid. Don't let fear of, of failure, saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, or just not being successful be the thing that holds you back. Um, because it, Going to this cheesy quote, like, you know, shoot for the moon, and if you miss, you'll still be amongst the stars. Like, it, it's a true thing, right? You, you'll shoot for it, and even if you don't, you'll learn so many things and pick up so many things along the way that the, the journey would have been worth it. So don't let fear of failure be the thing that, that holds you back. And I, we talked about this a little bit earlier with the diversity piece, and it ties back to the failure is be kind to people. Allow room for others to fail. Right? Don't be so judgmental when they make a mistake. Um, and instead, I think encourage and nurture them to, to continue in whatever that endeavor is in terms of learning or becoming a better person, whatever that is. Uh, because at the, at the end of the day, it doesn't help you or them to, to berate them for, for those failures. 
Um, and by helping them, I, I think the end result becomes a much more positive experience and you might actually gain something from it as well. And the third part, which is, I'll be honest, I'm very bad at this, but I'm, I'm working on it, <laughs> is um, I think it's listening to be, listening to truly understand versus listening to be, you know, not to be heard, right? You, you, you want to make sure you're paying attention so that you can understand and truly empathize and, and make sure that the person who you're interacting with knows that you're, you're listening and trying to understand versus the, I'm waiting for my turn to be heard, right? It, um, it's, the saying is what we have two ears and one mouth, so use them in proportion. Um, and it, it's, it's true. Once you start to do that, and it, th those occasions when I actually realize that I'm actively doing that, um, I'm much more understanding of the person sitting across from me, whether they agree with me or not. Um, I can at least see the perspective of where they're coming from and sometimes end up finding a commonality that I, I wouldn't have seen otherwise. And so I think those are, yeah, those are the, the big three for today to, to, to make the world a better place. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think that third one is kind of the hardest for a lot of us because there's, it's almost like the knee jerk reaction of like, <laughs> Oh, you disagree with me? Like you're wrong. And it's like, no, like you, I might not agree with you, but if you're, if you can present your, you know, your case for lack of a better word, like in a, in a more, um, you know, in a way that it's like, oh, okay, I can see where you're coming from, at least. If you just are dropping obscenities everywhere, and that that's like a way to escalate <laughs> it, where it's like, no one's no one's going to have a happy yeah. happy part to it. And I, this is a, a huge tangent, but being in LA and the in the LA area, have you? I, I assume you've gone to Disneyland quite a bit <laughs> yes, over yes. the years. <laughs> I was I was referencing this when you mentioned shooting for the moon and still being in the stars. I believe this is also in the LA Disneyland. I know for sure it's in the Disney World one. It's a it's some sort of space adventure where Gary Sinise is your narrator and you like fly on a rocket ship and it like, you know, moves you around a lot. I get very nauseous every time I do it. And I I was telling someone about this and they're like, "Oh, I've only been to Disneyland, never Disney World." And I was like, "Is it not in both?" So can you clear this no, up for us? I've never this heard Gary of that. Sinise read? No, no. So oh! I, I'm wondering if it's what we have here, which is um, flying over California. So it's something similar. You fly over like orange groves in California, and then you're by the beach and you're in the mountains. Um, so I think it's called soaring over California. And that's all narrated. We don't have like a space one with Gary Sinise. Oh, Not that I, I mean, it's been, you know, it's been a few years now, but I don't think Disney's made any big, you know, remodels since the pandemic began. So. <laughs> I think I think I've done. Are you in like an auditorium in that one? Yeah, yeah, in it's a really huge auditorium. That. Yeah, yeah, the whole room basically turns into a like giant screen. I like that one, but yeah, this one you're like in a rocket ship. It's like you and like six people, oh. and you you can choose either the easier hard route, and for some reason, like I get very nauseous on like lateral movements, and that's what that whole ride is. Like, <laughs> you like leaned back at the beginning. And then if you choose the hard route, there's like aliens on Mars trying to land there. And they're like, they're like, get out of here. Like, this is our place. So then they start like attacking you. And it's a whole thing. And then eventually you make it back. I feel like I got to go to Disney World now. Like, it, it, you might need to. Yeah, Disney World, Disney Paris, just to see what the differences are. This is blowing my mind that it's not at both. Like, what an obscure uh, exclusive ride. To have. Right. Or maybe it's there's like a 25-year-old like, ride. Disney doesn't have room for it. Forget it. It's also much smaller. That is true. That is true. So yeah, maybe. But yeah, I know um, the last time I was there, they were just, 
I think they were building like a Hulk ride and there were a couple other ones that were either down for maintenance or about to be built. And I said, man, this timing was real bad. <laughs> come like two months later, I could have ridden like six other things. Right? <laughs> it's all right. We'll make another trip there. He'll be great. Yeah, that's all you got to do. It's not going anywhere. Hopefully, exactly, knock exactly. on wood. I know. Now that <laughs> if Disney, Disneyland or World closes, right? we will blame this podcast. <laughs> Speaking Look what you did, Joey. <laughs> Well, well, okay. In case in case Disney closes, give the people some good news. If they want to learn more about you, if they want to check out the different podcasts, all the stuff that you're working on, where can they find you? Yeah, so you can find us on anywhere you find podcasts. Um, professional confession. We're on a brief hiatus, but in about three weeks, we'll be back. Or you can look for Tech Witch, which is our other podcast, and it'll soon be an animated series. Very excited about that one. Also, anywhere you yeah, find podcasts. Um, and then my company is Prometheus digital studio so um you can pretty much go anywhere linkedin um facebook and look up prometheus digital studio and you'll you'll find me fantastic well damien thank you so much for coming on the podcast this was delightful i feel energized i'm gonna <laughs> go out and tackle the world now it's awesome thank you so much joey this was great i really appreciate it this is a fun conversation lovely of course we got to end with a corny joke as we always do and it's actually, it's, it's a kind of a success story here. I used to be really addicted to the hokey pokey, but I turned myself around <laughs> and after today, people. I love it. It's kind of funny because I, I think this has been my favorite part of your show, just waiting for that joke. Um, <laughs> I think the woodworking one was probably my favorite one when you're talking to the guy who did the, the cutting boards. Um, yeah. The, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being here for it. <laughs> this is simple pleasures. Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you were a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show. You can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People, Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 